You've pressed play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central podcast, your weekly dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lake State. How's it going? My name's Robert Kerr. Again, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Big show, lots of segments this week. Three, in fact. Uh, Great stuff on the way. We just had a bit of a big weekend in the calendar while uh, the globe uh, stood still in the women's game as it had a watershed moment on uh, international stage with England topping Germany to record attendance and record viewership. Right here at home, uh, the professional side, DCFC, was on pause. The Michigan Stars won uh, in the Independent Cup. They had something to celebrate there as well. Um, And a new team, Anissa, was announced. So an interesting development there with the announcement of Gold Star FC coming in the not-too-distant future, a proposed professional team in suburban Detroit as well. Um, big, big weekend in the elite amateur ranks, which, um, you know, we've been doing at a, a high level here in Michigan this year in the NPSL, the undefeated risers went all the way until the NPSL national semifinal up in Muskegon over the weekend, eventually losing to uh cross fire that came all the way from uh, Washington state. Um, I believe that's DeAndre Yedlin's team, but congratulations to the Risers for having an incredible run. I'm sure the fans had an amazing time with that ride all through the postseason, hosting a whole lot of playoff games there in Muskegon. So kudos to them. And another uh, elite amateur side from Michigan, the Flint City Bucks had a very busy weekend toppling the Des Moines Menace, the national uh, reigning national champs in the USL 2, they won on penalties on Friday night. And just to fall the uh, just 48 hours later uh, by a score of 1-0 to Ventura County Fusion. So uh, highest high to beat the uh, Des Moines Menace on Friday and then fall at the national semifinal. But yet another... Uh, Big season, the Bucks stepped it up and went on another postseason run. And one of our segments tonight is with head coach of the Flint City Bucks, Andy Wagstaff. We have a fantastic conversation about uh, the emotional roller coaster of this the the postseason and uh, it coming to a halt after just forty eight hours after the biggest win uh, of the year. Uh, so we're going to talk to him. Great conversation. And we also uh, kind of uh, journey on in the conversation, talk about uh, the club and soccer in general, and a little bit about that uh, Euros uh, impact for the England over Germany over the weekend. Um, so that's one of our segments this week. And then we also talk about some of the, the big events going on this weekend. It is going to be, like I said, this past weekend, we had the national semifinals. And it was kind of uh, this next weekend is the start of the next phase of the calendar going into fall. And uh, internationally, the uh, 
the Premier League's coming back. But right here in Michigan, we got some great events going on, including a Michigan Soccer Central event uh, in collaboration with our one of our guests. We have Joey Verhelle from Troy United, and we talk up the uh, Michigan Soccer Central Troy United foot volley tournament going down on Saturday, August 6th at Dodge Park. There's still uh, spots available to play teams of two. We talk all about it, foot volleyball at the Sand Volleyball Courts at Dodds Park. At Dodge Park, that is, to speak clear, uh, go to the Sand Volleyball at 1045 or find the link on either Troy United or Michigan Soccer Central's uh, socials. Like I said, another one of our segments tonight, Joey Varhelly. We also talk about Troy United. They just finished their first season as well as talk about a uh, the event going down. There's also uh, a couple more events that I'm excited about that we'll talk about at the end of the show. And in our final segment, we are going to talk to the girls and the coach of Forest Hills Central High School. And that'll be uh, completing this summer's series of getting the stories from the players and coaches of this year's girls high school state championship. So we get to our division two winners. We've talked to all four of them this summer. So we have a great chat with head coach Ashley Ludke and players Lauren Cochenis and uh, Frankie Sutton. So that's an awesome segment. So we got, I think, to our order is going to be Andy Wagstaff of the Flint City Bucks. Then we're going to talk foot volley and Troy United with Joey Verhelly. And then we'll finish off with the Division II Michigan State Champions, Forest Hill Central. So three awesome segments on the way here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. My next guest here on Michigan Soccer Central comes to us on the heels of an exciting postseason run as Flint City Bucks just wrapped up their season in the national semifinal in a bit of a whirlwind weekend after having uh, one in the conference finals on Friday night and penalties. And then just 48 hours later, uh, Flint City Bucks fell to the Ventura County Fusion in a tight, tight affair that went right down to the very last moment. Uh, please thank you uh, for joining us, uh, head coach of the Flint City Bucks, Andy Wagstaff. Thank you. How are you doing tonight, sir? Thanks, Robert. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Thank you. Still a little bit um, a little bit uh, sore from the loss, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm okay. I appreciate you coming on and not like uh, probably the, the end of the season that uh, you would have chosen, but in the context of things... Um, uh, you won four postseason games, and I'm sure it's a wild ride. Uh, what what kind of uh, – how do you feel after the huge win on Friday and then obviously the opposite end of the spectrum Sunday? Like, uh, um, I guess the final, let's focus on that on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Kind of walk us through how, how that all played out for, for our listeners that may not have uh, taken that in. Yeah, you know, the, the playoffs is um... – you know, at any level in any sport is is the toughest and most grueling part of the year. And, you know, we had to 
you know, get three wins to get into the playoffs and we, and we managed to do that. Um, so we went on a really good run towards the end of the season. Um, the squad came together nicely and, um, you know, the, the staff worked diligently um, to, to make sure we were prepared for every game. And, you know, we, we prepared so well for the, the postseason. I was really super impressed with um, the, the players and the staff for just coming together and, and putting together a nice little game plan for, for the playoffs, you know, in the first two, two games at home in Flint, the round of 32, we, we won three, one um, against a very, very good South Bend team. I thought they were exceptional. And then on the Sunday, we managed to turn around and beat Chicago two, one. And that put us in the final eight, essentially the conference final um, in Des Moines, Iowa, very familiar, you know, um, I guess um, matchup. It's, I think in, USL League two terms. It's it's probably the heavyweight bout of the of the of the playoff scene every year. And um, last year, in my first season as as head coach, um, full season, I was the head coach in the pandemic. But the um, you know we managed to to, to lose one nil at Des Moines in the round of sixteen. But this time, um, you know we managed to beat them, and it was a it was an epic game. I'm, I think I'm still tired from it. It was. It was one of the most emotional, um, enjoyable moments of my career. And I think some of our players, you know, might think back to the, this day for the rest of their lives. So it was exceptional. Um, Des Moines were unbeaten in 20 games going back to mid-June of, of 2021. They were the national champions. They beat us last year on the same soil or turf. And, um, you know, we, we prepared so hard and was like, hey, let's not give away a silly goal. Let's not give away an early goal. Let's stay in the game. And sure enough, two minutes in, um, they scored a really good goal and not great defending on our end and went 1-0 up. And um, I thought, well, OK, we can just sort of play now. You know, they, they've got their goal and we wanted them to prevent prevent them from getting their goal, you know, which was why we were set up the way we were and they got it really early. So it sort of freed us up to play and, and go for it. So we managed to get back into it in the second half. Um, and before half time, actually, we had we missed a penalty kick and we hit the post twice. So I felt like we were good value for at least the draw. And then second half was just phenomenal. Um, after we scored to make it 1-1, they came back and really took a, a good run at us. And um, we managed to, to, to last until extra time and, and then penalties. And um, they missed their first one. Uh, I should say Isaac Walker, our goalkeeper, who was exceptional all season, um, made a great save on the first one. And then we, we slotted our next five. So super emotional, wonderful night. Um, still feel the emotion of that night. And, um, you know, then we had to sort of get, you know, come down to earth with a bump really, because, you know, we're celebrating in the locker room with a trophy for winning the conference. But less than, you know, 48 hours later, we're, we're facing a, a national semi-final, which is an even bigger game. So um, that didn't quite go the way we wanted it. Um, you know, it, there's there's a number of details I could share with you about that game. It was just uh, not not our greatest performance. And I, I think a lot of it was down to not only the players being mentally and, and emotionally and physically exhausted from Friday, but I think the staff suffered from it a little bit as well. You know, we were still kind of sitting back and thinking of the, the previous game and and, you know, would have loved a, another day or two to prepare for for this game. I, I genuinely feel like it would have been a different outcome. And that's not taking any credit away from Ventura County. They were excellent. And uh, but I feel like another another couple of days of prep, we would have we would have got the result. I don't have any doubts. 
Yeah, that's a, a nature of the beast there. Like the most important games are on maybe not the ideal uh, surround or, a, you know, a situation with the scheduling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like it, this is where everything that you've uh, worked for and all the teams, there's 115 teams in USL two, you know, and then this is the second possible biggest game of the season and you're doing it on 48 hours rest. I mean, that was largely some of the questions I wanted to ask was how was it uh, even possible physically and psychologically? Great question. Um, you know, I, we found, we found our mojo late in the season. So I, I got into a routine with the team where I, I genuinely didn't really make any, a lot of changes anymore. And you could argue that there were one or two players on our bench that were equally, you know, uh, as good, if not better than some of the guys that were starting every week, but we found a rhythm with the group of boys that we had. And, um, I stuck with it, you know, so we went into the playoffs and, we won our first game and, and actually were 3-0 up before we made any changes in that game in the first round. And then the second round came thick and fast. It was against Chicago um, FC United. And that was, again, you know, we played on a Friday, uh, managed to win the game in normal time, in regulation, and then had to bounce back on the Sunday. And I, I literally didn't sleep between the Friday and the Sunday because all I was thinking about was, do I change my lineup? We just won... 3-1, but we have players who expended quite a lot of energy and, uh, you know, are we capable of just going at them again on Sunday with the same lineup or should I freshen the legs? And we have a very good squad, so it wouldn't have really been uh, any issue. But, you know, as a coach, you you know, you don't want to chop and change too much when things are going well, uh, which is why I stuck with the team. And that team got 2-0 up against Chicago. I made some changes. They, you know, we conceded late to make it 2-1, but we got through. So then we went with almost the same lineup besides one tactical change for Des Moines. We won that game. And then here we are faced, you know, 48 hours later, it was actually less than 48 hours um, with the national semi-final. And, and I just, again, I, I probably dwelled on the whole decision for about 24 hours and didn't announce the squad till, you know, till, till Sunday morning, the day of the game. And, um, I, I, that night, that Saturday night going to bed, I, I didn't have, I, I didn't know. I knew there was one or two players. I would say this, I would say it was between a player that I knew could break up the counter-attack and, and win balls and be a really good defensive midfield player for us versus a um, fluent sort of attacking-minded centre midfield player. So it was, uh, you know, I had to I had to pick and choose between those two choices. And uh, I woke up in the morning with the answer in my head and went with the more defensive-minded midfield player who's a phenomenal player. He's, a, he's a Ide, Ide Shevketi, who's going to Pitt uh, to play for Jay Vidovich, who's a former national champion at Wake Forest. So he's an exceptional player. Um, but what it did is um, it put us in a position where we were probably expecting to defend more than we and the, the, more than we actually were. Um so it didn't it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go in the first half. I thought we were I thought we might have been doing a, a lot of defending on counters, but it really didn't go that way. Actually, they sat really deep and and stayed in their own half most of the game and um, didn't come out very often. And what we really needed was probably some fresh legs in the midfield to get things moving and and and, and get a bit of a flow and a rhythm and and a speed of play to the game. But anyway, you know you can second guess as a coach. Um, I had 11 very good players on the field that day, and I, but I think probably six or seven of them were just completely exhausted from Friday and, and um, 
you know, we needed them, but maybe fresher legs might have given us, um, you know, maybe a little bit more of a, a convincing start. Is it is that something in uh, uh, the in the the coaching level of uh, successful level? Um, how much looking back is there, like with the hindsight, like looking at? I mean, I guess there's learning and then perseverating. I guess where's that balance? Yeah, I mean, people who know me will know that I I tend to analyze, overanalyze, and triple overanalyze, and you know, I I am. Um, I do a lot of that of, of that analyzing pre-game, and then I'll do a lot of review and um, just sort of um, you know reflection on on the performance and and you know on how I performed and how I could have helped the players and um, you know I, this one this one is one that I'll that I'll stick with for a long time. I think I'll be thinking of ways that we could have improved and and done things different. I mean it goes as deep as like what we, you know, what we ate after the game that night, you know, like we, we, we ended up going to a local restaurant and it ended up taking us so long to get fed. And it was super late when we got home that night. And that was one where I was like, you know, why didn't I just, you know, have the guys eat the pizza that Des Moines gave us and just go back to the hotel and go to bed, you know, but I didn't, um, you know, I think we were all pretty high, you know, from the, from the emotions of the game. But you think of those things, then you think about okay, what do you do on the day off now, the Saturday between games? Do you do you train? Do you not train? Do you get them in ice baths? And so we did all the things we needed to do, and and um, and then you and then you look back and say, did I give them too too much information or not enough information? How could we have been more prepared to have been a goal down? And you know, and I, I keep thinking of a strategy for a goal down that I didn't really explain or or uh, go over enough with the players and i wish i had it done you know so but you know at the end of the day it's you know you could you could drive yourself crazy as a coach by over analyzing and reflecting uh, all you can do is is hope that your players were prepared and put their best foot forward and and um the feedback i've gotten from several players is that they felt very prepared and just didn't really have the legs to to push through the game the way the season went, you said that uh, uh, you had to win the last three games of the season, and then you did. Uh, what was it that helped you uh, find that that rhythm? I think the 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 squad of players that we had were, in my opinion, always extremely resilient and and very um, strong emotionally as well as all the other aspects of the game, physical, physical and technical, tactical, and all the, the pillars of the game these days. Um, you know, with the Flint City Bucks, we, we bring in a lot of players at the beginning of the season. So it takes quite a while for us to, to find what looks like our final squad. Um, so it, it, I feel like it was, it usually always is around about early July and, and it was exactly there again this year. And by then we were down to a smaller, more manageable squad and the players were completely bought in and were very determined to to not miss out on the playoffs. And I think when we beat Oakland County away 5-2, I think it was one of our best performances of the season. Uh, our German forward, Jeldrick Dahlman, scored five goals that night and we were absolutely fantastic. And then we went away for a couple of days of a break for, um, for um, you know, July 4th. And then we came back and we played them again at home and we were, we were really poor. I think that the, 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 the weekend took its toll on the players. They, they didn't prepare properly for 
for the Oakland County game at home and, and credit to Oakland County and Vinny. They, they did a good game plan and they beat us. So I think that, um, and actually it kind of feel like it kind of repeated itself this past weekend. It was the same kind of, it was the same kind of situation really where we were brilliant the first game and just not great the second game. So I think, I think once we lost that game to Oakland County, we just sort of come together as a group and said, look, it's, it's not an option for us to not be in the in the playoffs. Like we're, you know, we're such a great organization and such a good strong squad of players. I think I think we've got a decent coaching staff and wonderful support from from uh, from our owners. So we need to repay these the owners and go on a run now. And it had to start with a really massive win at home against Ann Arbor. We knew that if we beat them, that it would essentially knock them out of the playoffs, provided we took care of our business with the last two games and. And we, we were brilliant. We played fantastic. And Ann Arbor, you know, could have easily been in a national semi-final as well. They were fantastic. Uh, but we beat them 2-0. And then, you know, we had to go away to Lansing for a 9pm game on, on a Wednesday. And I was, you know, certainly nervous about that one. And we were nil-nil going into the last 15 minutes, but managed to, to bag two goals late. Um, and then I think the, the fellas started to believe that, you know, now it was it was something that we could achieve. And Played at home against a young Midwest United team that had, had lost some players back to colleges and stuff, and managed to beat them uh, quite comfortably to to get into the playoffs. And I think by then we were just starting to, you know, really settle in on who we were and what we were, and the camaraderie of the group was great. And um, I think they were just determined to go on a good run, and certainly getting two home games in the the round of thirty two and sixteen was was special. Um, and and really, honestly, the only poor performance really in the in the playoffs was was mostly the first half against Ventura County in the national semi final. And again, just like that Oakland County second game in four days, we just didn't really have the um, emotional, physical uh, presence to get the to get the job done. With your uh, team really coming together and obviously going on a, a great run and. Being conference champions and then uh, national semifinalists, um, are there any uh, players on the squad you know that we might see uh, move on to the professional ranks? Oh yeah, I mean from this group alone, there's got to be. Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, there's there's going to be anywhere up to eight or nine players that I think are good enough to to get a pro career. And I actually take that back. There's 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 a lot more than that, but realistically just because how difficult it is you know and there's certainly quite a few internationals that are exceptional that, that find it hard to to get into the pros in america just because there's only a limit there's certain limits on internationals but yeah i definitely feel like there's going to be you know some some more um some more pro pro careers um coming through through the flint city books this year i think you know harvey slade was was exceptional for us our captain He's, um, you know, essentially a free agent now and, and deserves his opportunity. And, you know, I've, had, I've, I've actually received information from, you know, some top level coaches in the USL who have said that they feel like he could be the, one of the best players in League One easily and would have a good crack at, at the championship. So I, I expect Harvey to go on. We've got Amadou Cisse, who, who you know, is an absolutely electrifying pace and, and score goals. And um, Amadou's a little bit older now, but he's had some interest from a friend of mine who's who owns a club in in Finland is very interested in him and there's a couple of other professional clubs that have have um, you know shown their interest so 
there's a couple of lads there that are gonna, you know, not obviously not in college anymore that have got an opportunity, and and then the other lads, I, I can't think of any that are not going back to college. I think all of them are, and then you know, just watch this space for for some of those players that are gonna go on, and you know, there's there's a lot of players there that I think have got pro careers ahead of them. I'd say probably two or three in the MLS and um, eight or nine that could make it into the USL pros. Uh, kind of uh, opening the, 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 the view a little bit, uh, you might be, uh, obviously you were uh, very centric on your team, but if you could look broader and about the, the temperature and the landscape of uh, soccer in our state right now, as the summer went on, I guess the, the landscape and how the, the summer went and the, the division was, how, how do you feel this year uh it looks in Michigan across the board uh, compared to this time last year. Yeah, I think it's I think it's in a good in a really good place. I think USL League Two has done a, a great job of working with the the clubs that have joined us in the Michigan uh, based uh, you know conference or league that we're in. Um, you know, Kalamazoo were an absolute handful and well coached by Shane Lyons and um, just an interesting. And, diff- and different style that was very effective. And they've got a really good group of players that are, you know, bought into each other because they've been together for a couple of years. And, and you know, we at the Flint City Bucks, we don't really have that every year. We certainly brought brought back quite a few lads from last year this time to to bring a little bit of, you know, familiarity to the to the programme for the fans and, and uh, you know, to bring a core back. But, um, you know, Kalamazoo are all returning players, really, that, that all play together for Davenport and Weston and, various places. Um, Oakland County, I thought, played very well this season in moments. Started poorly, which probably, you know, put them behind the eight ball as such. But, um, you know, well coached by Vinny. And, and um, again, some really talented players. You know, Keith Larson, Alex Delu, you know, Kevin Booker, uh, Anthony Rizzo, you know, just just a stack full of, of, um, of really good players there, you know. Um, and then you know Ann Arbor were you know they're they're excellent they're you know I, th- I feel like Ann Arbor's a lot like ourselves they always bring in very good players and they play a really sort of you know stylistic brand of football that that is uh, you know that is that is good on the eye and and um, entertaining for sure um, and then you've got the newcomer in Lansing you know again Marco coached them very well this year they they beat us at home and um, we beat them a couple of times and but they they had a great season their goal this year was to be the giant killers of the league. And I think they managed to beat Kalamazoo twice, us once. And then they tied with, uh, with Ann Arbor. So the, you know, Marco did, did, did brilliant with them. Um, so it's exciting. You know, the league, uh, is, is very good and, and, you know, good, real close friend of mine, Luke Ruff, who's the head coach of, of Midwest United is one of my closest friends. You know, he went with a lot of young players that play for the Academy for Midwest United. And although they didn't get a ton of wins this year, uh, they, they, they were, they were good. They were super talented. And he's just looking into the future with those players. He knows that they're going to go off to college and get better and then hopefully come back and play for him. And they'll have a very, very good team over the next three or four years. So the future looks very, very bright. I, I really do think that um, it's it's a great league. It's entertaining. And um, anyone can can really go on and, and win that league. There's that, there's that much talent, you know. Yeah, I, I thought that it was a, a very, a very exciting summer with definitely the 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 division, the USL 
to Great Lakes Division. It was definitely kind of had a, a, a split between the, the top and the bottom, but mm-hmm. uh, the teams in the bottom did, you know, pull some definite upsets that played a factor in uh, the outcome of the season of the, the two teams getting um, uh, the playoff spots there. But kind of stepping back to the accomplishments of, of the weekend and the events of the weekend, did you ever, uh, coming from the UK, would you ever thought they had so many big moments in Des Moines, Iowa? <laughs> no, no. I mean, not when I was 18 years of age playing for Berry Football Club. It was never really a thought that I'd end up in Des Moines, Iowa, you know, coaching a, a USL League 2, you know, um, conference final in front of four and a half thousand fans. I mean, it was, you know, it's funny because I said to my assistant coaches just before kickoff, um, I looked out and, and the stadium was absolutely packed and both teams were in huddles, which I always love that moment when the teams get in a huddle. And the referees are lined up. They're all fired up, ready to go. The coaches are sort of looking at each other like, are we going to go across and shake hands or not? You know what I mean? And, um, you know, the fourth official is making sure that he's got his cones laid out for me to keep me in my little box. And um, so we were just chit-chatting though. And I was like, you know, lads, this, this doesn't get any better than this. I said, the only thing that would make it better than this is if that if that turf field that's got all them lines on, which I understand why, if that was a nice grass pitch with like a nice wet dew on the grass right now under the lights would be absolutely different level. So no, I never, I never imagined that it would get to this, this point. And um, as far as like, you know, the, the landscape of American soccer, which has grown so much and uh, but yeah, there's, you know, there's so many good teams out there now and there's pro opportunities popping up left and right for players and coaches. And it's um, it, we're in a good spot. Very exciting, very exciting to hear that. Well, kind of, uh, you've just uh, uh, jettisoned away to start your uh, summer vacation. Um, once you get some R&R in at the end of uh, very exciting uh, summer, what's up next? Yeah, you know, you know, my my um, my time is is um, dedicated to you know family at the minute uh, for the next couple of weeks and. Um, I need to get my health sorted out because I've been I've been sitting around, you know, watching too much video and planning games and sessions to 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 really focus on myself. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get myself back in shape, which famous last words, but I'm gonna do my best. Um, and then yeah, just you know, I'll be running Liverpool Football Club um, here in Michigan. I run I run the International Academy, so I'll be making sure that all our staff have got everything they need and all the players and. And, and parents are getting the education and the development that they need as a, as youth players and, and um, you know, parents of youth players. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll just, you know, we'll start the ball rolling again with the books, I think with, with, uh, with Gary Parsons and Costa and Dan Duggan and um, look, look to what's, what's going to happen next year. And, uh, but yeah, it's definitely, it's been uh, arguably my, my personally, my most thrilling season as a, as a head coach, obviously I enjoyed 2019 being, the assistant to, you know, one of my closest friends, Demir Muftari, who's an exceptional coach. Um, you know, we speak every day and he's he's been, you know, living this journey with me as well, you know, offering up advice and um, talking through moments that we might, you know, get confronted with. And, um, you know, to have someone like Demir as a, as a close friend who, who literally was, you know, supportive every step of the way. And, and Paul Snape as well over in Butler, um, who awesome friends of mine we you know we we kind of lived lived a great summer and went through some really positive moments um and you know the staff that I got to work with with Paul Doro and he's the associate head coach at Oakland and uh, Cam Baker 
um, who's gone over to Midwest United to be in their academy. Um, you know, Louis Barrow, obviously, before the season was very helpful with recruiting. He he, uh, he was ex- exceptional. Colin Lyman, Ryko, uh, just a really good staff. So I think we'll we'll um, we'll take a bit of a break and then we'll we'll try to figure out what's next. And um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be it'd be great to see uh, you know maybe the box be in the in the pros one day. But I think there's we offer up a, a great service to to um, amateur players who are who are playing college year in and year out and it's been a, an institution in, in USL League 2 so we're excited about that Yeah, you touched on it for a second there that uh, brings up a, a pretty good question like uh, the Bucks uh, are you know perennially successful I mean uh, conference final last year national semifinal this year just uh, just a couple years ago a national and then let the plaudits go on and on like uh, um, just totally wildly successful at this level. Is there uh, any uh, motivation to kick on further, like you mentioned? I think that there's always um, there's always the internal hope and, and like, you know, vision and desire to, to get a team into the, the professional ranks, whether, you know, that be League One or, or whatever level that, that the ownership felt like we could head in. But I think there's a lot of things that are, 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 you know, above my station as far as what goes into something like that. You know, you're looking at probably a multi-million dollar investment, which is is not easy. Um, and then the infrastructure has got to be set up in the right way that uh, makes sense to make sure that there's there's a there's a good there's a you know a big a big fan base um, and regular attendance uh, of which you know you've only got to look at DCFC and see what they've done and. It's taken them a number of years, but they've got themselves to a point where they are a household name and, and uh, you know, putting a great team together and playing in the championship, which is the second level of, of professional football here in, in America, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, so, yeah, to say that I would not love the opportunity for us to to become a professional franchise and, and, and get the opportunity to coach that, if that was a, it was, was a possibility, I would. I would, yeah, it would be an ambition for sure. But um, there's a lot of other things that I think need to be considered. And and certainly we need to consider the fact that we're offering up a, a phenomenal service right now, which is, um, you know, providing that platform for these young men to, to go on and be professionals and give the fans that sort of hometown hero um, opportunity to come watch these young men before they go off to the, 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 the professional ranks. So, um, you know, we'll see. You know, we'll see again. Um, probably uh, ideas above my station on that one, but it would be uh, a dream come true. There's no doubt. It's exciting to think about the very least. Um, to your point of it, it's exciting. There's uh, situations popping up left and right, like you said, uh, what you saw in Des Moines and um, just flirt with the idea of multiple professional teams in one state, which mm-hmm. is amazing in the first place, just to, to, to think like five, 10 years ago, you know, there was none, you know, at all. Just no. a couple of years ago, there was the no professional ones, but you touched on it in an earlier answer. Like uh, when you were in Des Moines and you're looking out and there's 4,000 plus people for, you know, an amateur champ, uh, you know, hot, elite amateur, top level of amateur, and there's 4,000 people there at a place that's not made specifically for it, what would be that difference to be able to to get uh, just like stadia or just like soccer fields on grass to be like what would have to be 
uh, change? This might be a big picture question, but how yeah. do we get to that time where we have the dew grass on the on on the field? You know, I don't I don't know if we'll ever get there because I think that the the, the modern day athletic arenas have have realized that the you can get a lot more accomplished with without without grass. You know, uh, a lot of universities and, and high schools and colleges are are going to turf fields because it's so much maintenance to keep the grass the way they want it. But um, so I'm not sure that we'll get there. Um, although, you know, I, the evolution of the game here in America has been so astronomical in the last 20 to 25 years um, since, since I came over here, I've seen many, many things that I never, never thought realistically would come to fruition. And I'd say probably most, you know, most impressive is the professional game now for, for, for men and women is now a, a feasible career. Uh, which is incredibly exciting. So it's going to take money. It's going to take an, a, a, a difference of opinion on how to invest um, into these clubs. And and um, if you're going to, if you've got some purist um, football people that say, you know, the best way to approach this is to have a grass pitch and a nice, you know, five to ten thousand seater stadium, then I think we're going to get to a good spot. Uh, but I wouldn't say that that would be a defining moment for us if 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 we end up with beautiful stadiums with turf field that's that's you know football specific soccer specific then I think we'll still feel proud of what we've accomplished and uh, providing opportunities for for young men and women to go on and be professionals and and fans to to go to a game and really be genuinely excited about supporting their local club is something that I hope to see you know I think it's possible and Again, a lot of it just comes down to the finances, right, and the money and the investment. We had a, you know, just a little sidebar conversation after the Euros. The the women, English women, won the Euros against Germany um, in the final, and it's you know it's one of the first trophies England's won for many many years. But uh, we were just talking about like, you know, I think the first words out of everyone's mouth are, you know, it's gonna it's gonna take it to another level now in England and maybe worldwide, and. A couple of us were cautious about that comment because although we want that to happen, what's got to happen is there's got to be an investment now into the women's game from big sponsors and professional clubs. And if that happens, then yes, it's going to get to where it needs to get. Otherwise, it might just be, you know, the, the women's game will continue to improve. And I'm not, this is not a men's versus women's game discussion. But what my point is, if we want to take the game to the next level, whether it be grass fields, football specific stadiums, uh, professional leagues, then there has to be a big time investment, um, and hopefully that will will happen. You know, I mean, we just talked about how great it would be for the Bucks to get to that level, and and it would, um, provided that's the, the direction that the owners wanted to go. But it would take a multi multi million dollar investment, and um, if that comes along, then great, it can happen. But if not, then a lot of these things will just continue the way that they are. So, which again is not a bad spot to be in, but um, you know. We'd love to continue to grow the game and evolve the game here in America. Exciting in times, exciting times for sure. For those of us who are uh, keenly interested in uh, the, the, the sport here uh, locally and nationally. And I mean, to just to your point, like I think things like Detroit and um, just the, the, the growth that we've seen in astronomical things, like things that, many people said couldn't happen have been happening uh locally like with detroit and then other teams in the country and then 
with the women's game over there. When I went to school there in the mid nineties, I think it was like 1994 and uh, the primary school I went to only like one of my classmates was the first ever girl to play at that school. And that was like a 150 year old school or something like that. So to get from the first ever girl to play at a, a school to having the women uh, lift uh, the, the first major trophy for the, 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 the nation in, in decades is, you know, that's rapid things that, you know, couldn't say be true. So it's just a testament to uh, what is possible. Uh, while uh, we're, we, there can be some jading in the the, 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 the sport itself, there's still uh, plenty of uh, surprises and uh, welcome surprises, especially here on this side of the pond. Oh, there's no, there's no doubt. And on the men's and the women's side that the U S is now a, a major player within, within world football, in my opinion, um, you know, you we're signing some big, big name players in the MLS and, um, developing some top class players in, in the women's professional league, and then you've got all this this infrastructure underneath with different levels and different leagues. And um, I think if we can consolidate and and have a proper pathway of of, of professional football, from, you know, from semi pro to, to professional, which you know I know going back to my time in England, you know that they've got the conferences, and and then it gets into the professional leagues. There's six, seven, eight, nine, really, really, really top levels of, of leagues to, to potentially play in. And I think if we can eventually get to that here in the US, I think we've nailed it. Um, and, you know, again, we're, we're sending players, male and female, over to, to Europe. We're, we're signing players from, from all over the world over here. Um, so we're in a good spot. And I, I think, you know, the, the, the English girls winning that, um, that, that European trophy the other day, uh, Euro trophy the other day, I think is... Is good for the US because the US continue and have always been so much more dominant on the on the women's side, um, and I think for the for years for a number of years you could see the technical development and the tactical knowledge of the European teams and some of the South American teams, and but you didn't see the athleticism that the American uh, ladies had, and and now I you know I was actually shocked at how powerful and athletic the the uh, the England Germany players were. You know they're all very, very athletic and very savvy tactically. And so it's making for higher levels. And when you get higher levels, it challenges the top, um, which has been the US uh, predominantly over the, the last 20, 25 years. So I think it's good. I think all around uh, US soccer is in a phenomenal spot right now, male and female. And we just need to keep working together to really make, make you know, major changes to evolve the game to the next level. And uh, it'll happen quick and it's going to happen in the right way. But um, I think we're, we're certainly in a good spot. Yeah, exciting spot all across the board. And then uh, with England winning and improving so much in the last uh, couple of years, um, I mean, the last time in the last Women's World Cup when England and USA played, that was a very tight affair. Uh, I'd love to absolutely see... Um, a big game like a, a World Cup final or something between uh, USA and England's women. I think that would be a true battle of the Titans if it happens in the next, uh, you know, cycle. Um, I guess there is a Women's World Cup next year, so that's definitely a game I'd love to see at any stage. But uh, now that we're kind of in the window, uh, I may or may not get to chat with you again before uh, the the game happens, but we are in the window where uh, us that are sp- – 
both uh, I'm dual citizen, English and American. And I've been through a world cup where it's England versus America once it was a very uncomfortable position because you're, you're always so conflicted. And I think yeah. you might be in the same boat with the, uh, having lived on both sides of it. We're in the window. Uh, USA will play England in the group stages of the world cup in November. Uh, what's your take on that game? How do you feel about that? Um, it, you know, it's always, again, like you just said, you, you, you feel like, a little bit um, torn when, when, when we play each other. Um, you know, I've got my American citizenship now as well. And, um, you know, I'm, but I'm still English and, you know, my family's all there and I still consider myself a, a English a, a, as well. You know, it's not like uh, I'm suddenly not, not, you know, English at heart. So I think, um, I think it'd be a good game. I really do. And, and um, certainly as well on the women's side, if, and when we meet, but I know we're playing each other. I think it's October the 7th at Wembley in a friendly on the women's side, uh, which would be an interesting game, probably a sellout, 90,000. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, that England and America have got two strong teams now. So, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if, if they both come away with a point. And um, I think I'd be the most happiest if we can just get both teams through to the next round, you know, England and, and the US get through. And, um, you know, sorry to the Welsh fans, but I, I'd like to, to see us get through and... Um, and, and have the Americans go through as well. So it'll be a good game. I hope it's better than the one several years ago where, where uh, Robert Green let the ball slip through his legs. Poor guy. But um, yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a good one this year. Was the Robert Green game, was that 2010? I think it was 2010. Yeah. It was during tryouts. I just remember that. I remember having to plan like tryouts around, uh, around that game. And I remember going to the Moose Preserve in Bloomfield Hills with a, all the Liverpool staff and the families and kids and watching the game. And, uh, you know, it, even though I'd been in America about, you know, 15, 16 years at that point, everyone still certainly had a laugh at, 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 at my English um, heritage uh, expense at that, at, at that mistake. So, um, but yeah, it was, um, it was a good, it was a, a good moment, really good moment for the U S right. I mean, getting, getting such a big profile, high profile draw, uh, you know, was, um, was a was a big moment for the U.S. as well. Well, uh, head coach of the Flint City Bucks, Andy Wagstaff, I really appreciate the time. It was great to chat with you about uh, um, the the exciting weekend that was at the uh, national semifinal, and then kind of given a coaching breakdown of not only that weekend but uh, the, kind of the season um, across the board from uh, you know a high insight, you know, just after the season ending perspective. So thank you so much for uh, sharing that insight and your time with us here on the Michigan Soccer Central podcast. Thanks, Robert. I really appreciate it and enjoyed it a lot. And um, hopefully uh, we'll be chatting again soon. listener michigan soccer central podcast very excited for my next guest we have two big reasons to speak with them a uh michigan soccer central and their club are doing an event together or we're having an event together on saturday morning and his club just finished their first season on the field i'd like to welcome joey verhelly one of the 
uh, co-owners of Troy United. Welcome to Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, Joey. Hey, Robert. Thanks uh, for having me, and thanks to Michigan Soccer Central for having me as well. I'm excited for the uh, event this weekend, the football tournament. All right, so I really want to dig into uh, your first year as a club on the field, at least, and get into the story and what they're bringing or what they have accomplished so far early on. But uh, what do we got going on together between Michigan Soccer Central and Troy United on Saturday? All right, so on Saturday, we're hosting a foot volley tournament over at Dodge Park in Sterling Heights. Um, It's simply teams of two. Um, It's a normal, we're in a normal sand volleyball pit. Um, and we'll just be playing some foot volleyball um, in the morning on that Saturday. Um, and so we're looking to get people out and registered and have fun and uh, get the community together a little bit. Yes, listeners, foot volleyball at Dodge Park, August 6th. Registration happens at 1045 a.m. And I think uh, I'm still looking for a partner. Uh, Joey, do you need a partner for this thing? Yeah, I, I need a partner. It's, it sounds like a match made in heaven. Oh, all right. All right. First meeting, we'll have uh, something on the line uh, together already. But uh, we it's a good, it's a natural bridge between the two uh, uh, outfits putting on the foot volley tournament at Dodge Park, Michigan Soccer Central, and Troy United. And speaking of your club that you are a co-founder of, along with Louis Osowski, uh, you just wrapped up your first season on the field in MPSL, but um, what's the story of Troy United? Sure. Um, well, I kind of the idea kind of got stirred in my head to start a club um, back in January of 2001. Um, I'm actually a teacher at Troy High School, um, and during the pandemic, I was talking to a student online, and in Troy. Um, For those that aren't aware, we have a very diverse community, a very diverse school population with people from all of all over the world, a lot of first generation immigrants. And I was having a conversation with a student um, and he had immigrated from France and he was just talking to me. We're talking about soccer. He was talking about how much he missed just being able to him and his dad would always walk down to his local club back in France on Sunday mornings and watch a match. Um, and he really missed that. It was kind of a missing part here. Um, so that just really like inspired me. They're like, hey, we have this awesome community here of people from all over the world. And um, we want to give them a space and an opportunity to continue to build that community um, here through the sport of soccer. So that's kind of how the idea of Troy United started. Um, and so what I did is I kind of, reached out to some people I thought might be interested and started putting together a group of people um, to help build the club. And we've been doing that over the past couple of years now. So you had the idea, did you say 2001? Yeah. So, uh, so you've been cooking on this for a little oh, bit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've been cooking. So, cause it, it, it took us a while. Um, we're a 501c3 um, nonprofit organization. So that took a while. I basically brought in people that were interested before we came up with anything, the team name, the colors, the jerseys, like hiring a coach, all that took basically meeting weekly for the entire year um, to just really prepare a solid foundation before we jumped in. Um, So we just want to make sure that we brought in the right people before we just got too ahead of ourselves. 2001 or 2021? 
Oh, 2021. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do that, okay. So no, not not 20 years in the making. Just just one year in the making. Okay, okay. I was like, wowza, wowza. Um, <laughs> you you're really on the long haul. But uh, so, so for uh, uh, a year, you were you were you had the plan, and you're getting it right. And um, so that's interesting. You said it kind of came from the idea of uh, uh, a non-league game on a Sunday. Um, can you go further into that? Like, was it the, the casualness or just like so how close it is? What is the like that that pull? Right. Um, well, I think um, just knowing that the people in my community, like in Troy, like the kids just love soccer and they want to watch soccer um, and they don't have like a team in their in their city, in their community that they can go and support. Um, so I want to with the help of some other people, just provide a team that people can get behind and get together um, and, and back throughout a season. So I just wanted to provide that for them. So you were out on the field uh, this year. Where where were you playing in Troy? So we played at Troy High School. Um, it's a it's a really nice facility. Because I teach there, we got access to like the speakers and, and the scoreboard, and we tried to make it um, a fun atmosphere. So that's where we played our home matches at. That's excellent. So, what, what what crossroads is that for people unfamiliar with uh, the, the the Detroit suburbs? Right. So um, that is at um, we're on Long Lake and um, kind of near Coolidge Highway, um, Northfield Parkway is where the, the road that Troy High is on. Okay, so you you get to play. How many home dates uh, did you play this year in your MPSL season, and how long right. does that span? So the MPSL season begins in early June and then typically goes up till right in the beginning of August. So it's really a summer season. Um, we played total um, of eight matches um, and we had four home games, but the first one got canceled and we ended up playing that away the second try. Um, so we had a total of three home matches by the end of the season. Okay, so how um, like what sort of players did uh, hit the field for Troy United in in your debut season? Uh, so our players, we kind of went from from everywhere. We had a lot of um, players who play college ball during the fall season. Um, so a lot of NAI players and D three um, players came and tried out for the club. Um, we have a lot of college club players that come out and are looking to play some soccer during the summer. Um, and then we have a lot of adults who just really want to continue to play post high school at a competitive level. So um, we bring them in as well. So we kind of um, pull players from all over the local community and at a whole lot of different levels. That's very exciting. Very exciting. And um, like, what's uh, what are the some of the goals? Like, actually, speaking before we get to like looking forward. Did uh, your student that you had that uh, light bulb moment with about uh, uh, starting a team, was he able to attend any of the home dates for Troy United this year? I'm not sure if I saw him out, um, but I did uh, see him in the hallways one day and I was like, dude, we started the club. And he like lit up and he was so excited. He's like, okay, I'll try to make it out. So I'm next next year when I see him, I'm going to make sure that he comes out. For sure, for sure. That's very, very cool. So, what kind of what's uh, the goals? So, you you've started it. It's a thing. That's something that's available to the people you wanted to supply it for. Like, where are we going from here for Troy United? Right. Uh, well, the uh, the next goal really 
um, you know, a lot of different clubs have a lot of different goals, whether it's um, competing throughout the country, going to national tournaments, um, or just being very, very competitive and moving up the leagues. Um, one of, uh, for us, our, our biggest goal is to really build roots in our community. Um, we really want to partner with other nonprofits in the area. We want to um, partner with local businesses here. We want to just kind of build a culture where um, people in our community know we exist um, and start to care about us as much as we do. Um, and as important as results and winning and moving up leagues is to us, we at the same time really want to be a positive influence um, on our community. So we're brainstorming different ways to do that, doing community events like the foot volley tournament um, and partnering with schools and just different things that we can do going forward. We really want to get established in Troy um, and kind of make a positive impact on the people there. It's kind of wild. It goes under the radar that Troy is such a uh, big area. Like it, it's pretty vast. You, it, Troy United, it's a suburban-based uh, team, but the the whole space that is in Troy is actually really big. And so there's a lot of different areas to uh, that you need to spread the stamp of your club, like you're saying. Oh, absolutely. Um, like I mean, down Big Beaver Road, all the different businesses. Um, from big corporations to local businesses, yeah, we, it's it's a hub for for business in the community, um, and so we really want to tap into that and just get people involved um, and make connections that way. You're absolutely right. So Saturday, um, really excited to do uh, the Michigan Soccer Central and Troy United uh, foot volley tournament. Tell the listeners more. Uh, why foot volley and uh, what's the event uh, for overall? So absolutely. So um, the foot volley tournament is really cool because you just need um, one partner to play and register. You don't need to find a team of 10, 11 guys. Um, you can just pick your best friend, come out um, and have a good time. Um, and it's just exciting because it's another opportunity to meet people that really care about soccer and love the game and um, have some fun. So um we're raising money both for Michigan Soccer Central and for Troy United um, so that we can continue to do what we do and like the goal of building our roots in the community. Um, we need to be financially sustainable to do that. So we're raising money both for, for both organizations and to, to just have a wonderful time um, out there at Dodge Park on Saturday. Yeah, we spend a lot of time doing soccer stuff and trying to grow it ever more so uh, together in each of uh our own ways. So yeah, <laughs> raising funds yeah. for that. And uh, we might be bridging a new partnership here. Uh, if, if, if we end up playing together on Saturday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're, lo we're looking to build, build some friendships and some soccer skills. Uh, I'm, I uh, am heavily involved in the team that is right down the street from uh, you guys as well. Oakland County FC and you're Troy United. Maybe we could be Oakland United if we, hit, ah. we get to, do. We get to name teams in this tournament. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When you register, so you go can go onto the Michigan Soccer Central or the Troy United social media, find the link to register, and yep, you can put your team uh, name right in there. So absolutely, we can find a way to merge together. Oakland United sounds kind of saucy. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's a good a good meeting point peace offering yeah yeah for sure um but uh so if foot volley uh 
this is going to be interesting. I don't know how long we're going to survive in this tournament because I'll have a very busy summer. I don't, I haven't been getting as many touches on the ball as I actually typically do. But um, so it's on a sand volleyball court that's like a normal volleyball net. And so between the two of us, we have to keep it from hitting the ground and get it back over the net. Yep. You got to juggle it, keep it up together and try to get it back over the net so that the opposing team uh, does not get it back over. Yeah. But I'm with you. I've got to get some more touches because I've been doing a lot more watching soccer with Trey and I than, than I've been doing playing soccer. So. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, exercise in the jabber jaw. Need to get the feet more active, and uh, that just sounds too exciting. And then, do you know? Uh, I'm going to ask you a real detail-oriented question here. Are uh, the competitors going to be playing for some sort of prize at the end? Um, we're currently um, talking. Well, let maybe we'll keep it a surprise for now. Maybe we'll keep it a surprise for now. <laughs> Oh, the mystery box winnering team hey. is going to be dipping into the mystery box. So I'm super excited. Uh, we got a really exciting weekend uh, of soccer events going on uh, this weekend. But it, we're kicking it off Saturday, August 6th at Dodge Park. If you want to register in person, it's at 1045 a.m. Where exactly are do you have a, a kind of a that's a big park. Do you know? how to kind of narrow it down for the listener where specifically to, to head on Saturday morning. Right. It's going to be right at the um, sand volleyball courts um, at Dodge park. All right, folks, you heard it head to the sand volleyball courts at the beautiful Dodge park in Sterling Heights on Saturday morning. I'm going to be there rooting for and playing for Oakland United. It looks like, well, um, Joey Verhelly, my new teammate of Troy United. Um, anything else that you want to let us know about Troy United um, and that we haven't mentioned so far? Uh, nothing in particular. Um, I just, if anyone is interested in getting involved, um, feel free to reach out um, to Troy United on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, we're really just a group of people that are really passionate um, about the game and also just the city in which we call home. So we're looking to bring more people in to get more people involved um, and really just make a positive influence in our community. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, um, please reach out. Well, excellent. Thank you, Joey. And uh, really great to learn about Oak uh, Troy United. <laughs> and I'm really excited to play with you in our, our new team together on Saturday morning, August 6th at Dodge Park. Thank you so much, Joey, for uh, coming on your debut appearance on Michigan Soccer Central. Uh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for all that Michigan Soccer Central does for our uh, soccer community. You guys are really rock stars over here. So we really appreciate all that you do. Welcome back here on Michigan Soccer Central. Very pleased to get our fourth and final uh, chat with Michigan High School State Champions of the spring season in 2022. Very happy to have Forest Hill Central High School girls here. They won Division II State Championship, beating four-time defending champion Bloomfield Hills Mary, and by a score of 2-1 to one back in late June, 
Please welcome to the show a host of Rangers to the Michigan Soccer Central Pod. Congratulations and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Robert. We're happy to be here. Yes, thank you for having us. And on the line, we've got three winners from the Forest Hill Central Rangers. We've got head coach Ashley Ludke. Uh, we've got Lauren Cochinez and Frankie Sutton. Thank you so much, head coach um, Ashley. Uh, thank you for getting these players online. And players, thank you for joining us here tonight. Um, I just kind of wanted to start. That game sounds incredible, beating a four-time defending champion, Bloomfield Hills Marion. Um, Coach, can you start, then Lauren, and then Frankie? Kind of walk us through how that uh, state championship winning day went. The game itself was a thrilling game. Um, The way that it started off, I believe we scored within the first five minutes of the game. Marion responded a minute or two later, and then we responded right back. In the rest of the 72 minutes of the game, there was no score. So within those first eight minutes of the game, having three goals scored, I was thinking, oh, my goodness, the final score here is going to be you know 6-5. I thought it was going to be very offensively heavy, but um, teams kind of settled in, and that 2-1 at the 72-minute mark you know, lasted to the, to the final score, which um, it was – it made for a really exciting game for sure, but super proud of the girls. Very happy for them. Um, it was uh, a really special day. And, and of course our goal going into that day um, was obviously to win. Um, but I tried to make it really clear to the girls that they earned a really special opportunity to be in that finals game. They accomplished so much already in the season and uh, just making it to the finals itself was a huge accomplishment. And uh no matter what the outcome was going to be that day, uh, one single game does not define our entire season. Um, but it was certainly the outcome that we did want, um, and our girls definitely deserved it. Very, very proud of their team. We will uh, ask you, I'm going to ask you, you were uh, Forest Hills Central through and through, Coach Ludke, but uh, to your players, Lauren, uh, you joined, uh, you got on the, 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 the varsity team as a freshman you were the tech second top scorer as an outside back, and uh, you end your high school career as a state champion. Uh, what does that feel like, and what was that game like from your perspective? Honestly, it can't, can't really get any better than that. Um, I had the time of my life freshman year, so when I had the opportunity to come back, I couldn't pass it up, and I knew we had a really strong team coming into this season, so I was just very excited to have some fun. And of course that game was crazy. It was so many different emotions. Um, We were all obviously very nervous, but we all knew that we could do it and we knew what we were capable of. So we knew we could take that title out from underneath Marion. But um, it was very exciting. I wouldn't go back and change a thing. I don't think I've ever played in such an exciting game if I'm being honest. So it was a nail biter right to the end. It really was once because once it we scored all all the goals happened so early and then we were just trying to hang on the whole rest of the game and we were just playing our hearts out because I mean we all obviously it was our last game so we all we wanted to give everything we could and leave it all on the field and I think we did. Frankie, uh, you are going to be coming back your junior. Um, what was that like to uh, win in the spring? It was 
phenomenal. It was a huge season for us, especially with our comebacks from early in the season, losing to Gold Lake and then beating them in the semifinal was so huge for us. And especially for me, it's super fun to win that as a junior because you're part of the team the next year for the defending state champion title. And it's just a really thrilling experience. And it was a super special year for me because it was the last season that me and my sister ever played soccer together on the same team. And it was just huge to win that with her. So how long had you been playing with your sister? That's remarkable. I, me and my sister played together when we were in AYSO. So probably three years old. And then we got split up because of our age groups because she was in 2003 and I'm in 2005. And we've been playing club soccer for our whole lives. And we both decided we wanted to represent our high school team and play together one last year. So she decided to play her senior year. And it ended out with a bang. Name dropper. Yeah. Well, yeah. So so you're, you're, say that again. Stella Sutton. <laughs> so Stella Sutton and Frankie Sutton got to win a state uh, championship together. That's uh, unbelievable. And like you said, you have a chance to, you, you already won and you have a chance to defend that title again. Uh, head coach Ashley Ludke, uh, we kind of talked before we got on the recording. Uh, this is uh, not the first uh, state uh, cup win or high school state uh, championship that you've been involved in and you have quite the history here for Forest Hill Central, don't you? I do. Um, I, you know, my parents actually went to Forest Hill Central. My husband and I also went to Forest Hill Central um, and our girls are, our three young daughters are within the district. So we definitely are very invested in the community um, specifically, you know, for me personally in the soccer program, um, I myself was a player and my senior year was in 2003. And that was the first time that our soccer program at FHC made it to a state finals. Unfortunately, uh, we lost in the finals in a golden goal against Marion. Uh, So this season, um, I was able to kind of fire up our own team with a little bit of a redemption, you know, help me out, play play for your coach a little bit. It ended my senior career um, with an L. Um, But it, you know, I tried to use that as motivation. You know, it, it was a really special thing to even just make it to the finals in 2003. And then my sister, two years later, um, has it been able to kind of, uh, you know, razz me the rest, you know, our entire life being a state champion in 2005, uh, two years after I graduated. So she actually got the first title that Forest Hill Central has ever gotten, um, which was really cool and special to be a part of and happy to see my sister, um, you know, win it all. And, uh, cause we did play together in 2003. So I, it was really special for Frankie and Stella. I could relate to, um, both of them on the team this year because it really is something special to play with, with a sibling. Um, my sister and I went on to play college together too, um, which was really cool for our entire family. Um, so that was, uh, the first, uh, state championship in 2005. Uh, my, then, then I think FHC won in 2007. And then my first year coaching at, Forest Hill Central was right out of my college playing days. I came back in 2008 and uh, was the assistant coach to Jeremy Stacy, um, a good buddy of mine. And they uh, won a state championship in 2008. And, um, and then again, his final year in 2017 before 
um, I had the opportunity to take over as head coach in 2018. That is a rich history uh, within the same program. Uh, you must be so proud to then do it again here in 2022. Uh, before I move on from the final itself against Bloomfield Heroes Marion, um, it's staggering that they are four-time repeating champions. Was that truly the hardest team that you would most difficult competition you'd played throughout the season? They're obviously an outstanding program. I mean, what you just said there leading into the question, it speaks for itself. Um, and it's not even the past four years. I mean, there's years, they just have a very rich history, um, very efficient and have been hugely successful. Um, so at, at that point in the season, you know, any, anything can truly happen. Um, you, there's always going to be good teams going into the state tournament run. They are definitely one of the top teams that we played all years. Absolutely. Certainly. Um, but I, I would say our last three games really stood out to me um, playing against Spring Lake, playing against Gull Lake, and then Marion at the end. Those were three really exceptional teams that we had to battle it out for. Lauren, you played for four years on this side. Um, would you say, I mean, this year, uh, your Forest Hills Central went uh, 20 wins, two losses, and one tie. Um, obviously, you went the whole way, won the championship. Was this the best team throughout all four years? Um, I would say so. You can tell that um, they've got the talent. They have a very good and talented coach, and they were just a very well-coached team. They knew exactly what they were doing, and we shut them down. So I would say, yes, I'm very proud and impressed with our team. That's very sporting that you were talking about that. I meant, I guess I switched it too fast. I wanted to talk about your team. You guys won 20 times and just two losses one time. Out of the four years, you went all the way with this one. Was this the best uh, collective Forest Hill Central team that you played on? Um, I, say, I think that this was probably the most well-rounded team that we've had. I mean, we've, had, we've always had well-rounded teams, but we just had, like, everyone's strong suits, like, meshed so well together, and it, it like, it was incredible. Yeah, I think for sure our strong points really, I think, yeah. I, I think so, too, Lauren. I mean, we, we definitely had some trailblazers in our, in our previous years leading up to it. I mean, Lauren's freshman year mm -hmm. in 2019 – um, we lost in the state semifinals to Novi, who went on to um, winning the state title that year. We were down 2-0 at halftime um, and came back and pushed them to PKs. One of those goals to tie it back up to 2-2 to push PKs was a goal scored by Lauren Cochenis right there as a freshman. Um, so that that was you know an exceptional team. That was kind of a group of sophomores that came in in 2019. Um, so that was still Lauren's freshman year, but the bulk of our team that year were, were sophomores. Obviously we didn't have a 2020 season, which we were really excited for. We kind of very promising coming off of a, a state semifinal loss. And then, um, you know, 2021 coming back, we actually went to the state semifinals again and lost to, to Heartland in a, a really, uh, a pretty wild game as Heartland went on to win the state finals and, and, we graduated a lot of seniors that year. I mean, at the end of our 2021 season, I believe we graduated 11 seniors. So I don't like to really say much about like a rebuilding, but there was a lot, there's a lot of people were throwing that term around for us as we kind of went through, you know, all the years with um, that, that crew that had gone to the semifinals twice and not having mm -hmm. a 2020 season and um, you know, losing 11 seniors that year, we kind of didn't really know, 
what to expect going into this season. And I agree with Lauren. This is probably our, our most well-rounded, um, you know, starting 11 that we've had in a long time. But I, I'm really proud of our girls to make it to the state semifinals again and then to get the job done and, and win for those previous teams that have been knocking on the doors the past three years. By studying uh, your record and kind of the score lines and um, some of the uh, awards and plaudits that your, your players received, um, there were some like big wins, some very tight victories. Um, and the fact that your goalkeeper was like dream team defensive player of the year. Um, but you also have uh, an outside back. Who's your second highest score here with Lauren on the line. Um, so what, what, how did your team play and what, what was the style and what were the, the main qualities of your Rangers side? We ran a four, three, three. Um, and I'm, I'm a firm believer on, you know, do what you do well and stick to it. Um, you know, just, it, it's truly about the players and, you know, preparing them to go out there, but they're the ones that are executing. So really all the credit has to go to the players. I mean, they worked hard, they earned it, um, they executed it, they are committed to the team and each other. Um, but, at, you know, at the end of the day, uh, a coaching staff and, and, and can, can only take them so far, and I have to give so much credit to the girls. Frankie, I'm going to come back to you. Um, we talked about the uh, qualities of your side. Um, it's kind of some of the history uh, in the last few years of your side. And then also, like, obviously, the state cup final or the uh, the champion, the state championship final that you guys won two to one. What was a uh, outside could the, the memory could include playing with your sister. But what was a, a standout game or moment that kind of galvanized uh, the team in your mind to, to lead you to that that great run? Um, the first thought that comes to mind was our state semi game against Goal Lake. We lost to Goal Lake our first game of the season, two to one. It was our first game and everyone was kind of trying out new positions and we had a lot of new players coming together. And we found out we were playing them in the semifinals and we were so excited to play them. And they ended up scoring on us first and we didn't let that get to us at all. And my sister actually shot a shot at the goal and the goalkeeper padded it away. And our one of our outside forwards, Katie Herbanis, followed that goal into the net 30 seconds later. And when she got that goal and I saw everyone's faces, we knew it was go time and we knew we were in this game. And then that second half, I'm pretty sure Theron Halleck scored two more goals that led us to a 3-1 victory. And... Just from seeing my team be down first, which wasn't like super common for us, and coming back and scoring that goal 30 seconds later was insane. And I knew we had it in us to finish out the season. Awesome, awesome. So there was that, you know, uh, getting kind of like getting that uh, level uh, pegging back within the game, but also knowing that you could overcome that early, early season uh, first loss of the year in the first game only one of two losses came against that uh, that team. So you said that when you knew that you were going to take on that goal league side, everyone was really excited for that challenge? Yeah, we were super pumped up for it. We, Our team didn't 
we took losses as a learning point and we talked about them. We didn't get down on ourselves about them. We talked through them and found out ways how we can get better. And we obviously didn't have a many losses at all this season. And um, coming back from that goal late game, I think we just wanted revenge. We wanted to show them what we were made out of. We wanted to just show them what Forest Hills has really meant as a team. And I think our team played very well and we did what we, 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 we did what we needed and wanted to do that game. Excellent. Excellent. Um, coming back to you, Lauren, uh, uh, you graduated since and just days after, uh, winning, uh, the state championship, you, uh, moved out to North Carolina and uh, you're speaking to us from the campus of Campbell University where you're uh, set to play uh, collegiately. Um, it may fall that this state uh, championship might be the moment, but uh, four years of playing uh, for Forest Hills Central, uh, are there some some memories you want to share about your, your time uh, as a high school athlete? Um, sure. Yeah. Um, it was all crazy. It was such a crazy change all so fast. And yeah, I mean, state finals was definitely a huge memory, but I'm also going to piggyback off of Frankie a little bit. I'm saying that state semifinal game was when that was, I think the most impressed I've been with our team the entire season. Um, normally like once it was the first game when we played goal lake and normally the team's kind of like, Oh, like, do we got it in us? Can we do it? And there's not a single time where we, thought we couldn't do it was always we're gonna beat them next time we know we got it we know what we can do um I just I love that mentality and being part of that was just so incredible for me and I mean it carried me into coming here now to school just with such like a a hype attitude and I'm like so excited to get back out on the field for our first day of preseason tomorrow but I mean I still can't stop thinking about my mom came to visit me this weekend actually and she um, brought like my state championship shirt and all that because I never got to see it because I wasn't home and all that stuff came in but I mean yeah for sure and then yeah freshman year was incredible as well that's my I had the best time with high school and I wouldn't take any moment back I just I loved the program so much and Ashley was such a big help to me and de- helped develop me as a player to become just so much more confident and fall in love with the sport just like I was when I was little, and it just has made me never want to stop. Awesome, that's awesome stuff. Uh, congratulations on uh, uh, the the win and uh, the the next chapter uh, collegiately, Ashley. Before we go, um, what could you say uh, is ahead? Then, uh, Frankie, obviously you'll have. Um, what what does the next season look like now? I am really excited to get back out there. <laughs> you know, already I'm, you know, talking to the the team for next year. Um, we're just ready to keep it going. You know, full throttle. Uh, you know, ending the season, whether you you win or or lose, um, there's always a, you know a motivational factor. I mean, last year losing in the state semifinals, we were motivated in a different way to get back on the field this way. Uh, for this season and here we are again winning in the finals and we're motivated in another way to get back into 
kind of, you know, stake our territory and, 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 and battle again. Um, so we have a lot of awesome pieces coming back and returning. We're definitely graduating a lot of 10 seniors, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, those players aren't necessarily replaceable, uh, but going into this season, losing a lot, you know, 11 seniors the year before, you know, you just kind of never, you, you never know. So I was excited going into this year. We knew we had a lot of good pieces coming in. Didn't know how exactly that was all going to fit together. And we, we experimented throughout the season to see what was going to give us, you know, the best opportunity, the best chance, the best position to win. Um, and we sort of finagled with that all year long before we settled in and probably like the last seven or eight games of the season. Um, but we have Daly Tucker up top was a staple for us. Um, she started, I think, every game up top. Um, she was an assist in the first goal in the state finals game. Um, she had a lot of assists this year. I want to say she was first, she's probably second in assists this year. Um, and she scored a lot for us too. She was very efficient up top, super speedy, excited to have her back. Um, Haley Ward is coming back. She scored um, in the regional semifinal game, excuse me, the regional final game. Haley will be coming back and will be a junior. So we do have a lot of youth coming up. Um, our JV team had an outstanding year this year or this past season. So um, there's a lot of really uh, great pieces coming back together. Um, and I think, you know, our defense, I think, is going to be outstanding again next year. We actually started a freshman, Lauren Kuhn, all year long this year. Um, and she did, she rose the occasion and was just a stud for us, super steady all year long. Um, I think Gigi Sinecrope will come back and be healthy. Um, Abby Bush came in as a center back um, late in the season um, as a sophomore this year. And she was really um, strong for us and as a center back. So we definitely have a lot of, um, you know, things to look forward to in next season. Um, but there's going to be a lot of, you know, putting the pieces together just like we did this season. And um, hopefully the pieces fall into place. But I guarantee you we're going to, you know, show up and we're going to work hard. And it doesn't doesn't matter who's sharing the field with us. Um, doesn't matter what, what the record is, what their past history was. We're going to we're going to get out there and we're going to battle. We're just going to play, you know, our, our style soccer and we're going to uh, refuse to be outworked. Well, no doubt about that. I know uh, you guys are uh, totally committed with the, the fact that you guys worked so hard to just get on this show was a true testament to how, how, how committed you guys are. But all, all jokes aside, uh, Coach Ashley Ludke, uh, Lauren uh, Kuchenis, and uh, Frankie Sutton, thank you so much for uh, joining Michigan Soccer Central. And congratulations to all the girls on uh, your Michigan uh, State Champs Division II Forest Hills Central High School. Congratulations and thank you for coming on the show. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having us. Welcome back. Final segment of the Michigan Soccer Central podcast. Thank you to my guest, Coach Andy Wagstaff. Awesome to talk to him, not only about the big playoff weekend, the season in general, and just to talk soccer with uh, him. Thank you so much. And then to Joy uh, Verheli. I'm looking forward to meeting him in person at the Michigan Soccer Central Troy United uh, fundraiser uh, at Dodge Park on August 6th on Saturday morning. Uh, we'll see if <laughs> Oakland United uh, football team can uh, uh, get any points and get some wins at the weekend. Uh, look forward to meeting Joey in real life 
and hopefully we can become uh, good teammates. And then the players and the coach of Forest Hills Central High School, thank you so much to Coach Ashley Ludke, Lauren Cochenis, and Frankie Sutton. I hope to see everybody out at the Michigan Soccer Central uh, Troy United Foot Volley on Saturday morning. And then my guest from last week, uh, the Soccer Rebellion, is going down in the city on Saturday, August 6th at night. And then uh, that's down at yeah the corner ballpark. So we, I think we're going to have a pretty big sports weekend early. I am. We got foot volley in the morning, soccer rebellion at night. I don't think I'm going to be able to put together a team. Hopefully, maybe I'll sign up for a soccer rebellion team if I can get some teammates. And then uh, my favorite thing in the Oakland County FC calendar Sunday is the third annual staff versus supporters game for uh, my Oakland County FC. So a big weekend ahead. Also, and there's the the unified games too. I think the final is at Hamtramck. So I think we'll talk about that on next week's episode of Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. So thank you listeners so much for tuning in. Thank you to Jenny Hajnaki for editing the program once more. And thank you to the Michigan Soccer Central core team for helping me make it all happen. So until next time, enjoy your soccer.